All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you all this morning. And uh, I'd like to start today with a story that's going to launch us into our message this morning. So it's, I feel like it's been a little while uh, since I've started with a story, so I'm excited to get back to it. So here we go. So when I was five years old, my parents got divorced. Sorry, it's kind of a bummer. And uh, eventually, my dad started dating a woman who started coming around more. And it was a beautiful fall day, and we decided to do this little hike in the woods overlooking our house. So we got to the top of this small little mountain in our backyard. We called it a mountain. Apparently, it was just a hill, but we called it our mountain. And there was this huge rock just waiting to be climbed on by two rambunctious kids. So we climbed to the top of this rock, and my dad's girlfriend held out her arms like this and was beckoning me to jump into her arms. And I thought about it for a second, and then I ran right down the rock, right past her, past my dad's girlfriend, past my dad. And my dad, who was recording all of this in a home video, remember those old camcorders? right? Just shook his head and laughed and said it was just like me not to trust. Mm, Very profound. And I still have that tape somewhere at home. So thinking about that this week got me wondering, why is it so hard to trust others? Anyone else have a hard time trusting others? Why is it so hard to trust others sometimes? Maybe you've been burned one too many times. Maybe it's just easier to keep people at arm's length, to shut off our hearts, to not really share who we are with others. Maybe it's the way we do church, right? We see each other for an hour a week, maybe two, three, depending on, you know, the activities that we do. And so it takes a really long time to build trust. That's why we kind of do the things we do to kind of build that trust into each other. Maybe it's lies that we've chosen to believe over the years. I don't know what it is. But C.S. Lewis said, we can't have fellowship with a non-real person. I was like, oof, man, that's profound. So when it comes to our relationship with others and our relationship with Jesus, trust is a really important thing. And as I stop to reflect on this, it seems like the Lord has been highlighting this topic for us for the last few weeks. Does anyone else recognize that? It just seems like he's putting his finger on this for us. So two weeks ago, Jeff shared on why, the big question of why, and he ended by talking about how when Jesus was on the cross, he entrusted himself into his Father's hands. In the darkness, when all the sin of the world were laid on Christ, and he couldn't perceive his father's nearness to him anymore, he trusted. He said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jeff called us in that message then to trust God afresh, no matter what we're going through, because he's trustworthy. And last Sunday, we looked at meeting Jesus in our mess from John 5, 1 through 18. We saw Jesus healing a man who had been lame for 38 years. And then how Jesus met that man and set him free from his physical affliction, set him free from sin, and how the Pharisees were hopping mad at Jesus for doing this miracle on the Sabbath and claiming to be God, the Son in human flesh. 
despite the consequences, that man was called to trust Jesus, and we are also called to trust him as well. So it seems like trust, 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 trust. seems like he's calling us to this. Well, in response to that passage from last week and the week prior, Jesus is, I feel like he's going to continue from this passage today with this incredibly important topic of trust by giving us seven convincing proofs why we should trust him. It's like he wants us to get this. It's like he's speaking to us. It's like he really wants us to experience him and to trust him. Isn't that awesome? So in our battle for trust, Jesus is going to show us over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I think that's seven overs why we can trust him. So if you've ever had a hard time trusting God, I hope this message speaks to your heart and convinces you and us, myself included, right, that Jesus is the one person we can always trust no matter what. And I hope that we grow in trusting God just a little bit more this morning. And through that, that we can grow in trusting each other just a little bit more too. So I want to pray. Then we're going to watch our John video over the clip in John and then look at why we should trust Jesus from John 5, 19 through 29. So let's pray, watch our video, and then go into this John 5 passage. So Father, I want to thank you that it seems like you've been calling us all into just a deeper experience and reality of trust. Trusting you, trusting you in the dark, trusting you when things are hard, trusting you when maybe we can't feel you, maybe we can't see you, maybe things are just really challenging. You're calling us to trust you. And in that process of growing in trust, you're calling us to become a trustworthy people for each other. And Lord, you know that we cannot do this on our own. We so desperately need your help. We need your help to trust you. We need your help to become a trustworthy people for each other. So Lord, I pray right now that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would help us as we look at your scriptures to see what it is that you are speaking to us about through this specific passage this morning, that you would speak to each of our hearts in a very tangible way. Lord, you know what every single person needs this morning better than I can articulate. So I pray that you would meet every one of our needs, that you would speak to us in a way that's personal and meaningful and powerful, that you would speak to us in a way that we would just get so excited that, oh my gosh, the God of the universe, through Christ, through your word, by your spirit, is speaking to my heart this morning. So Lord, remove all distractions. Silence the enemy who's sometimes just shouting at us, all kinds of things. Lord, just silence all that right now in your name so we can hear you speaking to us through your powerful word so that our trust in you can grow and so our trust in each other can grow too. So Lord, thank you that because of the cross, your life, your death, your resurrection, your character, who you are, what you've done, we can trust you. So help us trust you just a little more today and then become trustworthy people for each other. So we give this time to you in your name. Amen. All right, so take a look at our video, then we'll get into John 5. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. 
He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes. And he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son, just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. All right, so in that video we just saw in the, in the scripture passage, there's seven reasons that we should trust Jesus. Remember, John loves sevens. Right? Seven is a number of completion. So there's seven complete reasons here why we should trust Jesus. So the first reason we're going to see right off the rip is that Jesus and God, his Father, are both working. They are working all the time. Take a look. This is going to uh, kind of flip us back a little bit to last week, the last verses we saw last week, John 5, 17 and 18. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Uh-oh. The phrase, my father there, meant more than what we mean today when we call God our father. The Jews understood Jesus to be saying that he was literally God, the Son, in human flesh. That he was the Son of God. The phrase, Son of, means the same essence as. So when he said, I'm the Son of God, or I'm God the Son, he was saying, I'm the same essence as God. No wonder they freaked out right? Because they were like, what? What are you saying? You, a mere human, are claiming to be God? How dare you? We want to kill you now, right? According to Frank Hamrick, he's uh, one of the writers from Positive Action Curriculum, he says, the words, I am working, indicate he does the same thing that the Father does. He claimed that whatever the God of the universe can do, he can do too. In effect, he was saying, I am equal with the Father in what I do. Whatever God does, I do too. I remember talking to some of my Muslim friends about this. 
in his mind, one of my Muslim friends, he said it was way too condescending for God to become human. And he couldn't fathom why God would do that. And I remember like, what do I, what do I say to that? That's, that's hard. I remember saying, God, just what do I say? And then this thought came to mind to just ask him a question. I remember asking him, what was your de- what's your deepest desire? He thought about it and said, to be loved. I was like, whoa, that's a pretty awesome answer. Knowing that Allah is not a God of relationship, though, I asked him to help me understand how Allah could create humanity with this deep desire, but never actually meet it. He looked very sad and didn't know how to answer that. I shared with him that that was why God the Son took on human flesh to walk among us. So when we say God loves us, Jesus is the visible expression of that love. What the Father does, Jesus does with skin on. Ever wonder what God is like? Look at Jesus. He is what God is like. So that's point number one. Jesus and God his Father are both working, and they are both constantly drawing our hearts to a real relationship with them. Can you feel him doing that right now? He wants this real relationship with us. Just like we saw in that video, experiencing God. It's not enough just to know it, right? He wants us to experience him, to know him at that level. So that's point number one. Let's move on to number two. Jesus doesn't do anything independent of God as Father. Take a look, John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So when Jesus says that he seeks to do the will of the Father, he is saying... I cannot and will not act independently of the Father. So in other words, Jesus limits himself to only doing those things that the Father desires him to do. Jesus talks about this a lot in the Gospels. I only say what I hear my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. We see this played out in the wilderness, tempta- uh, the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. As after the Father cracked open the heavens and said, Jesus, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Great way to start ministry, by the way. The devil came to attack Jesus over and over and over again at that very point. He was saying, in effect, if you truly are the son of God, prove it. If you are God's son, Live independent of him. Turn stones to bread on your own. Jump off the temple, have the angels protect you. Receive all the kingdoms of the world by bypassing the cross. Come on, Jesus, live independently of God. You don't need pesky God telling you what to do. You decide what's right and wrong. Now, what does that sound like? Remember the garden? Remember the temptation that happened there? Satan really doesn't change his tactics very much over the years because it's effective. So this, by the way, was the very same temptation in the garden. 
Adam, Eve, eat from the tree and declare to God that you don't need him, that you can decide for yourself what's right and wrong. You don't need God telling you what to do. You just decide for yourself. And let me ask, how's that going for humanity as a whole? I think it's going great, right? Woohoo! Not so great. So Jesus affirmed over and over again that he was God the Son, the Son of God, and out of love for his Father, he would not act independently of his Father. And that is meant to be a huge encouragement to us to live much the same way, to have the same kind of strong hesed, agape kind of love attachment to God, so much so that it forms our character, that it, 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 it influences our actions, our thoughts, our character changes by whom we love the most. Isn't that crazy? That's how God designed it to work. So that's number two. Jesus doesn't do anything independent of God as Father. You see how that's building trust? It's meant to. He has this trusting love relationship with God as Father, and that impacts what he does. And we're supposed to have the same thing. We trust him, and that makes us the kind of people that he's living through toward others. So that's number two. Let's move on to number three. Jesus understands all the ways of God as Father. Isn't that great? Because he makes those ways known to us. That's really awesome. Take a look, John 5, 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. So the Father shows Jesus all that he's doing. The idea here is that the Father is sharing everything with the Son. He is capable of understanding all the ways and all the workings of God. Now, who else can claim that? Man, it'd be nice to understand even just 1% of the ways and workings of God, right? Just 1%. I'd be happy with 1%. Jesus is like, I understand all the ways and all the workings of God my Father all the time, period. It's like, wow, that's incredible. Well, Paul fleshes this out a little more for us in Colossians 1. Take a look at these incredible verses. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, first in rank, first in preeminence over all creation. That's what that word firstborn means. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So what does it do for your heart knowing that there is someone who is literally holding the world together at this very moment and is holding our lives together just the same. When we pray with people, it can sometimes feel like guessing for exactly what we should pray for them. Ever feel like that? You're like, 
I don't know what to pray for this person right now. I have no idea what would be helpful or what I even should pray. Like, what does this person really need? Not, not so much what do they want, but what do they really truly need right now? Well, one of my friends, when I pray with him, he pauses for like a really long time when we pray. Kind of like awkward, you know, that awkward pause that's like a two-minute, three-minute pause. And I'm like, what in the world's happening right now? And I asked him about it once, and he said, I'm asking God, the Trinity, what they're praying over the situation before just launching into prayer. I'm like, who talks like this? Where did the, who are you, right? And it's so powerful because he's like, I just don't want to just pray anything over you. I just I want to like listen to what God is saying and then pray that over you. And I'm like, dude, like, wow, that's incredible. How cool is that, that Jesus knows everything that's on the Father's heart and mind and that through his word and through his spirit, he helps us grow in that as well. That's why we study his word, right? So that in those moments when we're like, I don't know what to pray, guess what? The Spirit does, and He's in us. Sometimes He'll just give us a scripture just to pray over a situation, right? That's so incredible that Jesus, we have access to Jesus who has access to the mind of God who is the mind of God. That's incredible, right? So that's number three. Jesus understands all the ways of God as Father, and He helps us grow in that by faith and trust, right? Let's move on to number four. Number four, Jesus has the same power as God as Father. That's awesome. Look at verse 21 there. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. In other words, Jesus has the power and the ability to heal and raise any he chooses. He has the rights and privileges of his Father. I particularly like the last part of that, that Jesus has the right to give life to whomever he will. I love that. Jesus is life itself, or life himself. He is life. And when we place our faith in him, he gave us himself. I used to think he gave us life like it was a gift. Like, here, here's life. Like, right? But he's giving us himself. Like, he moves into us. And I just, I need to, I need that to to sink in. I, I forget that so much. He gave us himself. If you're a believer in Jesus here, he has given you and me himself. He is in us. Period. <laughs> or maybe better, exclamation point. Maybe even better, a hundred exclamation points, right? Take a look, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, that's, that's, that's the goal of our Christian life right now, right? It's to grow in this faith, to grow in this trust, to realize that the very one who can actually live this thing is in us. That is called the gospel. That is called the good news. That's the best news I have to offer us and myself this morning. That the very one who could live this thing is in us. Amen. That should, we should be, as Jeff said, we should be dancing and shouting and praising because that is the best news ever, right? Yes, thank you, Matt. Hallelujah, right? He's in us and he could live this thing. <sighs> Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> 
because I need a sip of water. All right, so that's number four. Jesus has the same power of God as Father, and he is life itself, and he is life himself. He's moved into us through his spirit. Or as Paul put it, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is actually in us. He reminds us of the truth. He makes us more like Jesus, and he is at work drawing our hearts and other hearts to Jesus. Let's move on to number five now. Jesus shares the same honor with God as Father. This one's kind of cool when you think about it. Take a look, verses 22 and 23. For the, uh, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. He may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. We would most naturally expect God the Father to be the judge of all man, right? You'd think, oh, he's the Father. He's the judge of all. Well, according to Jesus, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. According to that guy I quoted from before, Frank Hamrick, he says this, Jesus is the judge of all mankind, and as such deserves all of the honor and glory that the Father deserves. He is equal in position and authority and deserves the same honor as God the Father. So sometimes we are going to run across people who are cool with God, but are not so cool with Jesus. But according to the scriptures, that's not an option. You cannot have God without having Jesus. The way we honor the Father is by honoring the Son. If we do not honor the Son, we do not honor the Father. So how do you feel about Jesus this morning? Do you have Jesus this morning? How are we doing these days honoring him? So that's number five. Jesus shares the same honor with God as Father, and we are to honor him the same way we honor the Father. Number six, like God as Father, Jesus can impart life to us. Look at this powerful verse, John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What an awesome promise. I remember being at Word of Life, and after campers would get saved, we were taught to open our Bibles to this verse and have the campers read this verse out loud and then reread it, and then reread it one more time for effect. According to Jesus, how does one have eternal life? By hearing his words and believing in the one who sent him. Jesus promised that the one who does this has eternal life and has passed out of death into life. Look at the tenses here. Has passed, has life, right? I'm so grateful that my mom and grandmother shared the words of Jesus with me as a kid. It was through their influence. I heard about Jesus and came to believe in him. And in those harder moments when I was doubting if I was really saved, this verse was a lifeline. Did I hear his word? Yes. Did I believe in the one who sent Jesus? Yes then on the authority of God's word, I have eternal life and I have passed out of death into life. So is this true of you this morning? Have you come to trust in Jesus? Do you have eternal life? And have you passed out of death and into life? 
If not, trust in Jesus, right? If, and I, we can talk about that if you'd like. So that's number six. Like God is Father, Jesus can impart life to us. Let's move on to our final point for this morning, number seven. Like his Father, Jesus is sovereign over our eternal destination. What? That's incredible. Look at the verses. Verses 25 through 29. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear the voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Oh, boy. Talk about power. So who else, by a mere word, can raise people from the dead? How can a mere man raise every single person to life and then judge them according to God's perfect standard, sending some to heaven and some to hell. Who has the power to do this? God the Son in human flesh. I love that Jesus tells us not to marvel at this, but to be ready for it, because there is a day coming when those who are in their tombs will hear his voice, and those who have trusted him, who have real saving faith in Christ with an evidence of that faith, will be resurrected to life. And those who have rejected Jesus, who do not have saving faith, with obviously no evidence of that, will be resurrected to judgment. This tells us that all of us, mic check, all of us will be resurrected and that some will be with God forever and that some will be away from him forever. And what is the determining factor to this? What we do with Jesus. So what that brings us right back around to is the question we started with. Do we trust Jesus? Do we really trust him? So in our section today, John 5, 19 through 29, Jesus gives us seven really bold claims that we can trust him. He claimed to be equal with God, the same essence as God. He claimed he had the ability to do the same things that God does. He claimed to know all things, to understand all the ways and workings of God. He claimed to be able to raise the dead and give them life. He claimed to judge the living and the dead. He claimed to offer people eternal life, and he claimed to send people to either heaven or hell. That is incredible power. And the question is, do we really trust him? And with all these stunning proofs on a table, how is God speaking to us this morning? How is he growing our trust in Jesus today? Practically speaking, what difference does any of this make 10 minutes after we're out of here, Monday morning, during our week, in all of life, that Jesus really is God? I kept asking myself that question this week. I'm like, what difference does this message make an hour from now or sometime during this week or month that, that Jesus is God? What difference does it really make? Well, I was like, instead of running my life, 
I can submit to Christ and keep looking to him and keep turning things over to him. The fact that Jesus took on flesh, lived a perfect life in my place, died and rose, shows me and hopefully us that he gets what it's like to be human. He knows. He gets it. So I can go to him in that stuff, right? We can. He understands. And so we can draw near to him. We can center our lives on him. We can let him fill us and lead us. So what difference does it make that Jesus is God? If he isn't, we're kind of wasting our time here. But since he is, we have a God who wants to be in the center of our lives. As Jeff mentioned from the Experiencing God video, he wants to walk with us and talk with us each day. He wants to give us power from on high to listen to him, to trust him, to obey him, to make disciples of him, to be used of him in every area of life in our strength, and and especially in our weakness. From that posture of trusting him, he wants us to grow in trust so we can be kind of like a trustworthy people for each other as well. He wants us to be the kind of people that are trustworthy, people that can handle each other well, people who are filled with God's love and truth so we can share that love and truth with others. So final question before we pray is, how are we doing with our TQ these days, not our IQ, our TQ, our trust quotient. How is God deepening our trust in him? And how is God translating that into our relationships with others? However God's speaking to us today, my prayer for myself and for us is that we would believe that, gosh, we can trust Jesus and that he would do that work in us yet again. Let's pray. So, Father, I want to thank you that you are completely trustworthy, that no matter where we find ourselves at, no matter what we're going through, that hopefully this passage and just what we know from Scripture, that we would believe that we can come to you. That, Lord, if something's getting in the way of that, maybe the way we see you or experiences or whatever, Lord, I pray you move all that stuff out of the way so we can just develop a stronger attachment with you so that no matter what we're going through, We can trust that we can just come to you. We can talk to you. We can listen to you. We can get your perspective on things. We can come to you first instead of last. We can trust your wisdom and your guidance. And Lord, I I know that we all need to keep on growing in this. This is something that we're always going to need to grow in because we're in a fallen world in non-redeemed bodies. There's going to be struggle until we see you face to face. So Lord, I pray that you just keep showing us every single day that we can trust you and help us grow in trusting you so that we can become the kind of people that trust each other well, that handle each other well. Lord, when we blow it, which we will, help us make those things right as quickly as possible and just to model that we can be a trustworthy kind of people with each other. So Lord, thank you so much for being so trustworthy. Thank you for these powerful proofs. I pray that our hearts would marinate in them and that we would keep growing in trusting you because you are trustworthy and good. Thank you for our time today. In your name, amen. So I shared at the beginning of our time together about my not jumping into my dad's girlfriend's arms and saying, well, we were at Speculator uh, last week, and my daughter wanted to play this game where I was standing in the water, and she'd run out on the dock, and then she would jump out, and I would catch her. And then I would do that, and then she'd i put her down, and she'd run back out onto the dock and do it again. (laughs) 
I'm like, I don't want to kind of keep on playing this. And then finally I was like, oh, God was doing something in that moment. He was showing me a picture, not just for me, hopefully for all of us, right? That that's what he wants. He wants to be that father catching us as we jump into his arms, right? Over and over again. And that is our closing verse this morning. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your dwelling place. <laughs> Almost there. And underneath are the everlasting arms. So, Father, thank you that you are those everlasting arms, that we can jump into your arms. You catch us, you set us down. And we run back up on the dock, and we do it again, and we do it again, and we do it again. And you keep catching us, Lord, and we can trust you. So no matter what we're going through, Lord, I pray that we jump into your arms and let you catch us, let you be strong for us. We just come to you as we are, and you clean us up, you fix us up, you do all the good work in us and make us more like you. So help us trust you enough to jump off the dock into your arms. Thank you for my daughter showing me that awesome lesson and help us jump into your arms yet again today and this week. Thank you for our time together today. And may we go with your peace and your blessing and your love and your grace and your truth and everything that's in you. In your name, amen.